So we've heard some really interesting music this morning, I would say, wouldn't you? It's fascinating what's going on over there. And if you're anything like me, you've already flipped through your order of service to try and figure out what exactly is happening with this piano that Jared has been playing. And you've seen that the music that we're hearing comes from the composer John Cage, and it involves not just different notes on the page than are typical, but actually a whole different imagining of the piano as an instrument. So I hope you'll come up and take a look inside the piano after the service, because what you'll see in there is these nuts and bolts and pieces of foam in between the strings. There's uh, you know, the ties you get off a bread bag tucked in in between there. There's a giant pink eraser. Go check it out. It's fascinating to see what happens and what music comes out when you completely reimagine what a fairly predictable instrument, at least you think, can be. So take a look, it's fantastic. And I love the way that John Cage not, he used his imagination to stretch and to think about the way that a piano could work in a totally new way. And I think prophetic imagination is like that for us. It calls us out of our usual way of thinking about things or doing things. It invites us to see things that we look at and, and see the same way in a new way. So this kind of prophetic imagination, I think, is exactly what we are called into in this particular time in our lives and also in the, in the life of our country. And it is just this kind of reimagining of what a church can be that the First Unitarian Church of Denver has been doing this week. You see, some of you have already heard about this. So in addition to being a voice for liberal religion there in Colorado, and in addition to being a place of challenge and comfort for its church members, the First Unitarian Church of Denver became a home this week. The people there reimagined what the building could be for, and Jeanette Vizguera, a mother of four and an immigrant from Mexico, moved in. She entered into sanctuary at the First Unitarian Church of Denver, and you may have seen her story on CNN or in the Washington Post or in Democracy Now. Jeanette arrived in the United States in 1997. She followed her husband, who had come three months earlier, and she brought her daughter with her. They had made the decision to flee Mexico because her husband, who had been working as a chauffeur, had been kidnapped three times while trying to do his job, and they wanted to find a safer place to be for their family. She and her husband, Jeanette, they've lived here for 20 years now. They've worked, they've paid taxes, they've been active in their community. Their oldest daughter, Tanya, is protected under the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or the DACA program, and her other three children were born here. Luna is 12, Roberto is 10, and their youngest child, Zuri, is just six. Jeanette came to the attention of immigration officials when she was arrested for driving without a license and for making up a social security number so that she could work. She followed all the processes that had been laid out for her, and for several years now, she's been granted a stay on her deportation. But this past week, when the, noticing that the tone in our country has been shifting for some time now, when Jeanette was asked to appear for the decision on her latest stay, on the application for stay on her deportation, she decided that instead of going herself to the hearing, she would send her attorney. And she would take up sanctuary at the First Unitarian Church in Denver. Now Jeanette happens to be a community activist and one of the founders of the Sanctuary Coalition in Denver. She's worked for years to learn the immigration laws and to build powerful relationships 
between immigrants and lawmakers and houses of faith in the Denver area. I don't think she ever imagined that it would be her one day that might need to take up sanctuary in one of these houses of worship that she had helped to organize. But that day is here now. Jeanette's request for a stay of deportation has been denied. And in addition to being a mother of four and a grandmother and an activist in the community, Jeanette is now an ICE enforcement priority based on her two misdemeanor convictions. Now, she has the support of the mayor of Denver, and legislation has actually been introduced into Congress to protect her individually, specifically. The people that know her know that she is a huge asset to their community. And for now, and for as long as it needs to be, her home is in a makeshift bedroom in the basement of the First Unitarian Church of Denver. Now, the church has been preparing for this time for years now. It was back in 2012 that their congregation's learning about immigration issues started in earnest, and they began by forming relationships with other groups that were already working on immigrant justice in Denver. These relationships grew and deepened over time, and eventually First Unitarian was seen as a trustworthy partner, and they were asked to consider whether they would ever house someone who was facing deportation. And as you can imagine, when this question came to the church, it prompted a whole lot of learning and discussion and questions. Guest speakers came in to talk. The minister preached on the topic several times. Congregants figured out where somebody would stay in the building. Insurance and liability questions were asked and answered. And finally, that congregation of 400 members voted yes to officially offer sanctuary to people at risk of deportation back in 2015. Their learning and study and the relationships that they developed over time prepared their hearts and their minds and their spirits and their institution so that they could say yes. They could follow the thread of their faith when the question came to them, will you harbor me? Would you harbor me? Many of you have probably heard this exact question before. It's in the lyrics from the Unitarian Universalist Issa Maria Barneswell from her song that Sweet Honey in the Rock sings. And the lyrics go like this. Would you harbor me? Would I harbor you? Would you harbor a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, a heretic, convict, or spy? Would you harbor a runaway woman or child, a poet, a prophet, a king? Would you harbor an exile or a refugee, a person living with AIDS? Would you harbor a Tubman, a Garrett, a Truth, a fugitive, or a slave? Would you harbor a Haitian, Korean, or Czech, a lesbian, or gay? Would you harbor me? Would I harbor you? This will be the question before us at our congregational meeting at 12.30. Would we harbor an immigrant facing deportation? That is the question. Will we join the over 800 houses of worship in our country who have already said yes? We will offer sanctuary and a safe space for immigrants, many of whom have lived here already for decades. These immigrants who have children who are citizens, who pay taxes, who are at great risk because our government has failed to pass comprehensive immigration reform. Will we join with the 20 plus congregations within the Twin Cities including Unity Unitarian and White Bear Unitarian Universalist Church, 
who are partnering with Isaiah, a local ecumenical organization that has deep roots and relationships in the faith community and the immigrant community. Will we say yes? We will be with you when you need us most. We will harbor you, the immigrant, the exile, the stranger. This is the question that will be before us. There's nothing we can do to stop life's unfolding. That's what the poet told us today. There's nothing we can do to stop life's unfolding or time's passing, but there is a thread we can follow. And I think this thread that the poet talks about and the image that he weaves is a perfect metaphor for the spiritual life. There is a thread that we follow, something that we know is true and deep, that we try our best to align our actions with throughout our entire lives. There is a thread that you follow, the poet says. It goes among things that change, but it does not change. The thread can be hard for others to see. You have to tell them about what you are pursuing, but you know that when you hold on to it, you cannot get lost. The challenges of life can go on all around you and within you. Life and death can come, political climates can shift, fear can run rampant, and still, you never let go of the thread. When we hold on to the thread of our faith, I think the way forward often becomes clear, even in very complicated situations, even if we're feeling discomfort, even if this moment calls for us to totally reimagine what a church and its building can be for. The thread of our Unitarian Universalist faith demands that we create right now, here in this world, a world of love and justice and inclusion. The thread of our faith proclaims a love that knows absolutely no bounds, a circle that is ever widening. And the thread of our faith calls us not to just believe whatever we believe quietly and to ourselves, but to live it out loud when the questions of conscience come our way. The good news is we already know how to follow this thread. We've been following this thread for over 150 years in this congregation. We followed the thread of ever-expanding love and welcome in the 1980s when we voted to become a sanctuary congregation then and housed people seeking political asylum and at risk of deportation. We followed the thread of our faith when our minister emeritus, the Reverend John Cummins, marched in Selma, and we were holding onto that thread tightly as we continue to move on our racial justice journey now. We followed the thread of our faith when we raised our own internal minimum wage here at the church to a living wage, when we eliminated religious education fees for our programming and opened the doors wide for all children and families. And we are following the thread of our faith every time we house families experiencing homelessness in our building, every time we welcome the organization showing up for racial justice here in our sanctuary, every time we share our space with others who are working for justice in our community. We know how to follow this thread. And we know that while the call of our faith may seem clear on this issue, the details are less so. We cannot begin this journey and know where we're gonna end before we even start. We don't know if we'll be asked to house someone or not. We don't know if we'll be asked to house one person or a family or two. We don't know exactly how this administration will continue to interpret the immigration laws that are on the books and which policies they will decide to keep or throw away. 
there's no way to know exactly how this is going to look. And yet, I absolutely believe that if we hold tight to the thread of our faith, if we hold on to this thread of an ever-expanding love and an ever-expanding sense of we and who we are, the thread of deeper justice, paired with the wisdom and talent and the relationships we have with partners in the community and all of us here, when we bring all of that to bear, we cannot go wrong. As we've been preparing for this moment and this vote that'll happen in a little bit, I've been hearing the voice of my father in my head again and again. And to tell you the story, I have to back up a little bit. So when I was 14 years old, I bought my first car. I was super excited about driving, you can tell. It was a beautiful car. It was actually a total piece of garbage, but it took two years for us to fix it up. And every morning when I would leave the house, I would run my hand over the fender and I would dream about driving. And every night when I came home, I would run my hand over the fender again and I would dream about it some more. And I would think about the sense of freedom and possibility I would have once that car was on the road and I was driving. And the truth was, it turned out I did love that car and I loved driving and I loved it as long as the sun was up. When the streetlights would come on and it would get dark out, I would freak out and I would panic. And this sense of freedom that I had hoped for would crumple down into this tight little ball of fear. You see, I was sure I was gonna hit something in the dark or I was gonna miss my turn or I'd get wildly lost and never make it home. And I think my dad sensed that something was up because I wasn't making the trips out in the evening that we all had expected that I would. And so one night he grabbed my hand and he pulled me out to the car and we sat there on that long front bench seat in the, in the car and he said, all right, let's go, start driving. And I took a deep breath and he said, you know, we all get scared sometimes. All of us are afraid of something and nobody can see the whole road at once. Nobody can see the horizon before they begin. So take a deep breath and just start driving. All you have to do is see as far as the headlights go and go that far. And then as you drive that much, the headlights will go that much further out, you'll drive a little bit further, and you will get home this way. Breathe and just see as far as the headlights go. That was his big advice for me. And it was true. When I did that, every time I did it, I found my way home. Now, I took this advice to heart for driving, but I think it fits for so many other situations in our lives as well. Nobody can see the whole horizon all of the time, not even when we really, really want to. The truth is, in this adventure of life, is that none of us know how things are going to turn out. It's simply not predictable. None of us know what might be coming around the bend. Circumstances can change in our lives in an instant, and the life that we imagined we were going to be living can slip through our fingers like water. It happens when the diagnosis comes, when the job disappears, when the oppression counts us in, or the lover leaves. It happens when mental illness or addiction takes root. It happens when suddenly the rules change and it feels like we're living in a whole other country. It may not be the world or the circumstances that we want, but there we are. And most of the time, we can see something. We can see a little ways in front of us. We can see maybe as far as the headlights go, and we can keep our gaze steady as best we're able, and our grip 
firm on the thread of our faith that shows us the way home each and every time. So I invite you to let your imagination run a little bit wild, to reimagine maybe what a church and its building could be for and where love might be calling us as a congregation next. Right now, it is immigrants who are being targeted in our country. But tomorrow or the day after, it could be Muslims. It could be any of us. By choosing to take a public religious stand now, by letting our imaginations run wild and reimagining who we are and what this building is for, we're not just saving some other people out there. We are saving ourselves. We're remembering who we are and what we are about and what we are called to in this world. We are saving ourselves and that we includes all of us. So I invite you to lean in. Lean into the thread of this faith. Whatever it is that you are facing, we are braver and stronger together than we are alone. Lean in here, lean in to each other. Keep your gaze steady and trust that we will make it home together. May it be so. Amen.